I want to take you into Scripture, and I want you to see a place where many want to go, but rarely ever get there. A place that God has purposed for you and for me. A place unlike any place on this planet. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning and good Sunday after Christmas. Hope you had a great holiday. Anybody get any figgy pudding this year? Figgy pudding in the room. Anybody? Didn't think so, all right? As I was driving to church this morning, uh, I realized that last Sunday, one of the things we did during greeting time was wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And we shouldn't just wish a merry day on one day out of the year. Because of Christmas, every day is merry. Can I get an amen from the congregation? So what I'm going to have you do is turn anywhere around you that you can and get to anybody and say, merry after Christmas. All right, that's a new one. Ready, set, go. Merry after Christmas. Man, we've got to work on that stuff. That's, that's not so merry. Well... We're going to be talking about this last sermon in 2020. We're going to be talking about choosing the very best for 2021. Now, if you could finally get away from sheltering at home, if all the travel restrictions were removed in 2021, and you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Where's the first place you would go? Just getting out of town, getting somewhere. Uh, We've been kind of locked down for way too long, and now you have your freedom. You can go anywhere in the world you want to go, where would you go? Well, there's some favorite places that usually come to mind for a lot of people. A lot of people automatically start thinking Hawaii, especially if you're right here in Oklahoma. Doesn't that look good right now? That'd be a sweet place to be. Some think about the Caribbean. That would be a nice place to be. For some reason, some people would think about Alaska. Maybe not now, maybe this summer that would come to mind, but maybe a trip to Alaska. Paris comes to mind. People want to travel into Rome and Italy and all that region of the world. Some will uh, love to get back to Colorado. Maybe that's your favorite place. Uh, Somebody might be thinking right now, Enid, Oklahoma. Can I get an amen from anybody? No, not Enid. Niagara Falls comes to mind. A lot of places, and maybe you have your favorite little place on this planet. There are certainly certain places that you don't want to go. Any store the day after Christmas, you just don't want to be there. It's not a pretty scene. You don't want to be there. Uh, The students in the room, how about principal's office? First day back to school, let's find ourselves in the principal's office. How about that? Or the back seat of a police car, not where you necessarily want to start a new year. Now somebody's probably thinking, and also, now, now we're going to Enid all of a sudden, right? Now you're thinking about Enid, Oklahoma. Or how about the Miss Redneck pageant? Anybody buying tickets to the Miss Redneck pageant in 2021? Probably not. But there is a place that I really want to challenge us to pursue in 2021. I want to take you into Scripture, and I want you to see a place where many want to go, but rarely ever get there. A place that God has purposed for you and for me. A place unlike any place on this planet. Where is that place? We read about it, Luke chapter 7. Go to Luke chapter 7, and where we're going to find is this place is at the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. And many of us, as we rush into a new year, we're just glad to get 2020 behind us. But if we just go running into a new year, but we don't have a new direction and a new purpose, we can see just as tragic of a year in 2021 as we've seen in 2020. 
So let me take you to this special place, and let me show it to you throughout all of Scripture and see the power of this unique place, the feet of Jesus. Luke chapter 7, verse 37 says, There was a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, this wasn't the only sinner in town. By the way, we're not the only sinners in town. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But this was a lady who was known as being a very committed, devoted sinner. She had had a very difficult past, a very dark past, but God changed her world. And I guess my question for you this morning is, have you ever allowed God to change your world? Or you just know that God created the world? Do you just have a head knowledge of who he is? Or has God ever rocked your world and changed your world in such a way that you became a new creature in Christ? This woman who once was a sinner was now a forgiven person, new in Christ, and look at her direction. Look at the direction of her new life. When she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, now a Pharisee was uh, considered the clean of the clean. They were the perfect people of the city. I don't know about you, but I remember not growing up in the church. I remember first starting to go to church with Cammie, and I looked around, I saw you, all you church-going folk, and I thought, man, I hope I can be like them one day. Y'all look so pretty and so shiny, looked like you had it all together, and I knew my life was a wreck and a mess. The last place this lady wanted to be was in a Pharisee's house. They were the prim, the proper, the devoted, the committed, the religious. And she was known as a loose woman. When she came running into this house, she knew that Jesus was there. And so she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. We don't have time to dig into all that, but we know that this perfume was very costly, very expensive. The equivalent of a year's worth of wages. Look at verse 38. We get to verse 38, we see two characters in this story. We see this sinner, and we see a Pharisee. Only two people represented in this room, because that's the reality of life. There are those who come to understand who they are, that they're a sinner in need of God's grace, and then there are Pharisees who don't think they need God's grace. They're fine in their religious self-righteousness. Verse 38, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who's touching him, that she is a sinner. Notice the two different hearts. In the very same room with the very same Jesus, but two totally different perspectives. There was one that was humbled. There was one that had been transformed. There was one who had one desire and one desire alone, and that was to worship Jesus above all things. But then you see another heart, a heart that invited Jesus in, wanted Jesus around, but at an arm's distance. There was one who had an intimate awareness of who Christ was, and one who didn't even realize who he invited into his home. There was one who invited Jesus into their heart. There was one who just invited him over for coffee. Who's Jesus going to be in your world in 2021? Where are you going to find yourself pursuing? And what direction will be the direction of your life as we enter into a new world? This sinner with a new heart was worshiping, overwhelmed by the grace of God. The religious heart, the Pharisee, was caught up in his self-righteousness, caught up in what he was doing for Jesus rather than what Jesus needed to do for him. Verse 44, turning towards the woman, 
he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Jesus begins to get Simon's attention or attempt to get his attention to try to get him to see what he needed to see and what he not just saw with his own physical eyes, but what he needed to see with the eyes of his heart. But you see, Simon was blinded by his spiritual pride. He wasn't willing to humble himself. He wasn't willing to serve Jesus as he should have. He just looked at Jesus as anybody else off the streets. This woman looked at Jesus differently. Jesus said in verse 45, You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he is forgiven little, loves little. Now, Jesus isn't forgiving her of her sin just because of this extravagant act of worship. What Jesus is pointing out is because she has already been forgiven, she is now living out the life of a worshiper. But for Simon, Simon hadn't experienced the forgiveness of God. He hasn't looked to God to be forgiven. He thought he was fine in his religion. There may be somebody here today or somebody worshiping online that has that same perspective. I'm a member of the church. I've grown up going to church. I know all the Sunday school answers. I've been to Falls Creek, been baptized, even right here at this very church. That isn't what makes us right with God, and that isn't what forgives our sins. Our sins are forgiven by the one who was in the room, Jesus. And when you have been forgiven, your life direction takes on a whole new perspective. She couldn't wait to get there to worship him. He couldn't wait to have Jesus over to question him. She couldn't wait to spend time at his feet. Simon addressed him eyeball to eyeball, face to face, and still missed it. Will we miss Jesus in the new year? Or will we let our perspective be like her perspective? As we dig through scripture, I want to point out just a few things that you'll find. If you dedicate yourself to spending time at the feet of Jesus, what you will discover. The first thing we find in this, look at verse 48 again, is at the feet of Jesus we find forgiveness. He reminds her and tells Simon, Simon, it's available for you too, but this woman is at my feet because she has been forgiven. I'll never forget that night when I trusted Christ at a crusade that many of you have heard about before. I trusted Christ in front of half of my town, and I'll never forget the awesomeness of that moment, the overwhelming joy that flooded my soul, and the reality that a holy God had forgiven an unholy sinner like me. Have you ever had a moment like that in your life? Have you just been going to church? If you've ever had that moment, it changes the direction. Now, she was forgiven not because of her deeds and because of this sacrifice of this perfume and an act that she did, all those acts of worship came because she had looked to God for his gracious forgiveness. She had been forgiven, and that transformed her to a worshiper. Verse 50. Take a look at it again. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, God saved her, but God couldn't save her until she placed her faith in his saving grace. And that's true for you, and that's true for me. That was true for Simon. But we look at this guy named Simon, and Simon stood there in front of Jesus. Instead of falling at his feet, he's just standing there. He'd been to church before. He knew all the answers. But she's at the feet of Jesus. While he had all the answers, she knew Jesus was the answer. 
While he thought his religion would save him, she understood only Jesus could save her. So at the feet of Jesus, we find forgiveness. The second thing I want you to see is found in verse 50. is at the feet of Jesus, you find peace. You find peace. Joy to the world. Peace to all men. That's not just the message of Christmas. It is the message of the Christ who came at Christmas. Look at verse 50. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Look at the rest. Go in peace. What I've noticed in our culture today, even though we have more than we've ever had on this planet, even though we have more than our parents ever had or our grandparents ever had, what I know is this, we have less peace than any other generation. There's more war in the world, not just literal wars of armies fighting against each other, but war everywhere, war on Facebook, war on social media, war in the media, war in the White House, war in the streets, war everywhere, a lack of peace. But Jesus said, now that you've been forgiven, you can live in a peace, for he is, as we saw on Christmas Eve, the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So he tells her now, go in your new direction, in your new forgiveness, in your new life, go in peace. And here's the promise of peace in Scripture. We can have peace with our past, that's forgiveness. We can have peace with our God, that's an abiding life in Christ that we're going to focus on in January, and there is peace for all eternity. If you have Bibles today with you, turn over to John chapter 14, or we'll put it up on the screen. John chapter 14, let's talk about this peace for just a moment. John chapter 14, verse 25. These things have I spoken to you while I'm still with you, Jesus declared, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and peace I give to you. Jesus was informing his disciples those who had followed him and devoted all their life to him, thinking that Jesus was going to drive Rome out of Jerusalem and Messiah was going to take back over their holy city and they were going to be the holy, free people of God again. And Jesus now is telling his disciples, guys, I'm, I'm leaving. They're like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, we've given you three years of our life. We've been committed to the mission. You can't bail now. And Jesus says, listen, it's your advantage that I leave. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. The helper is going to be sent by the Father. But know this, while I am leaving physically, I am still leaving you a perfect peace. A peace that is given. As we talked about it at Christmas gift, a peace can't be yours until it's been received. And that peace is received as you receive the Prince of Peace into your life. And when you do, Philippians 4, 7 on the screen says this, God will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that will guard your hearts and your mind. A peace you can't get anywhere on this planet, even on a beach in Hawaii. Not going to happen. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that was revealed. Turn over, if you do have your Bibles today, to Luke chapter 8. And look at this example of a life that was forgiven, a life that was changed, and the peace that was received. It's found in Luke chapter 8, verse 35. You still with me this morning? Say, uh-huh. Go over to verse 35. So the people went out to see what had happened. Here's what had happened. A guy who was full of demons had been tortured for most of his life. Jesus has set him free. 
He has set him free from that demonic oppression. He has set him free and changed his life. And everybody couldn't believe what had happened because they knew this dude. They knew the torture that he had experienced and how messed up his life was. And when they heard about the story, they came to see what happened. Has anybody, anybody been interested by your story? Is there anybody trying to see what's going on and why your life is so different than theirs? Is there anybody pursuing to know the difference that you have in your life that they don't? If not, maybe we're not telling the story. Or maybe perhaps we're not living the story. This guy, this guy was just living the story. And people heard about it and people knew about it and they wanted to know what had happened. I pray in 2021, many people will come to know Jesus because of your story. We'll be talking about that in the state of the church in February, but let's get back to the story. So they came to Jesus, found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down. Where was he at? Where was he in the synagogue? Was he at church camp? Where was he at? He's at the feet of Jesus. Now, for us, it might be a buffet, it might be a restaurant, it might be somewhere else. This guy, after his life had been changed, he knew where he needed to be, at the feet of Jesus. Clothed and in his right mind, the people became incredibly frightened. A guy that had war going on in his empty life that had now been filled with demons had now been set free. A guy who couldn't rest at night, couldn't sleep, couldn't enjoy life, couldn't have relationships. A life that was demon-possessed was now set free. He was at peace with his past, at peace with his God, and had a peace that nobody else could understand. He was back to his right living, his right life. Where are you at today? Do you have peace? Do you know the Prince of Peace? Are you living in peace? Well, we go down to another situation and we find it over in John chapter 11. Let's keep digging. Let's keep talking about this place called the feet of Jesus. Go to uh, John chapter 11, verse 1. We now wake up in a different story, and man, there is all kinds of chaos. A beloved friend of Jesus has died. His name is Lazarus. You know the story of Lazarus. So let's take a look at it. Verse 1. There was a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, there were two different anointings. This is a unique, this is the other Mary. Two women anointed Jesus' feet. And there's, again, an example of this worship, this, this new direction at the feet of Jesus. This Mary, who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. In other words, there are certain people Jesus may not love, but remember, Jesus, this is your good buddy. This is your friend. This is your favorite one. Don't forget, don't forget how much you really care about Lazarus. And Jesus heard this. He said, this sickness is not to end in death. Underline the next phrase. What was this whole circumstance about? This tragedy, this hurt, this chaos? He says, but this is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Drop down to verse 20. Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, he finally shows up later than they wanted. He didn't show up when they needed him. Oh, yes, he did, just not in their timing. Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. There's Martha giving all the good Sunday school answers. There's Martha going out to meet Jesus. There's Martha instructing Jesus. Drop down to verse 28. And when she had said this, she sent away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here. and He's calling for you. Can't you see that conversation? Hey, Martha, where's Mary? Pouting at home. Mary, the one who's anointed him before. Mary, who was the feet of Jesus before, is now pouting at home. You see how the reality that there are days that we worship the Lord and there are days that we pout on the Lord. There are days where we feel really close to the Lord and there are other days we feel distant from the Lord. Don't let the enemy use that to keep you distance from him. Let Jesus step into that. Jesus isn't intimidated by our feelings and our emotions. He is the prince of, watch him bring it. The teacher's here and calling for you. Oh, man, that would hurt, wouldn't it? Ah, Jesus knows I'm here. I got to go hang out with Jesus. I got to go deal with this. I got to deal with this ugliness that's going on inside of me. I don't want to mess with it. But when she heard it, watch this, verse 29, she got up quickly and went to him. I would encourage you today, as we end this message in just a moment, oh, it's coming to an end, trust me, it'll be there. That when we get there, that you, like Mary, would stand up, not out of a chair, but stand up inside. And as we get ready to move on into a new day and a new year, that we might respond like Mary, that quickly, quickly, we might wake up from our pity party, from our pouting, from our struggles, from our doubts, from our hurts, and just let Jesus be Jesus in our world. That's what Mary did. She went up, she was coming to him quickly in verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. She didn't come running and rebuke him and say, why didn't you get here earlier? Where have you been? What has been the delay? Did you not care about my brother? That's not how she approaches Jesus. Look at it. When she saw him, what did she do? She went to that place that very few people ever go. She fell at his feet. You see, even though she was struggling and even though she was hurting, even though this was one of the worst days of her life, she still found her place at the feet of Jesus. And she was still struggling. She said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. She's still honest at the feet of Jesus. She isn't perfect, but she found the perfect place. And I would encourage you this morning, don't let the enemy heap guilt on you because you're not perfect, because you don't feel perfect, because you're having a tough moment, a tough day, a tough stage of life. She was real, but she was at the feet of Jesus. And then you find a guy like Simon who's plastic, who wasn't willing to get real, and was living an empty life. Which do you choose? You see, at the feet of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, as we saw earlier, Verse 4, take a look at verse 4, John chapter 11. What do you find at the feet of Jesus? Not only do you find forgiveness, not only do you find peace, but you find the glory of God. Jesus said this sickness, this difficulty that they're going through, this ugly day, 
is not for death, but it is for the glory of God. You'll never experience the glory of God standing on your own two feet. You'll never experience the glory of God sitting at home. You'll never experience the glory of God just going to church like a Simon. No, we find the glory of God where? At the feet of Jesus. Notice the different approaches even in this story. Martha, not a Pharisee, but a follower of Christ. She comes and she approaches Jesus and she stands there and reasons with him. But we find Mary running to Jesus and falling at his feet. Don't walk into 2021 just knowing Jesus and settling for that. Run into the new year. Run into a new day. Run away from here today with a whole new direction and find yourself at the feet of Jesus where there is forgiveness, there is peace, and there is the glory of God. Well, how many of us are willing to dedicate each day in 2021 at the feet of Jesus? How many of us are willing to say, you know what, that's going to be my passionate pursuit. That's where I'm going to spend the days of this new year, at the feet of Jesus. Crying out for God in my life. Crying out for healing, maybe. Crying out for his provision. Crying out for his person. I just need him. I need him right now, don't you? I need him. I find the glory of God at the feet of Jesus. Well, let's not give up on Mary and Martha. They continue to learn the importance of this special place. Turn over to Luke chapter 10. You've probably read the story. You've heard me preach on it before, I'm sure. Uh, Jesus had visited Martha and Mary's home before. Take a look at it. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus and his disciples had been traveling along. They entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Here's Martha again, greeting Jesus, welcoming Jesus, hanging out with Jesus. Jesus spent a lot of time in their home, uh, and that's how he developed this friendship with Lazarus. They were very devoted to the Lord. They were very committed to any time they could serve him. As they followed him, they did all that they could do. She had a sister called Mary, which we've already read about, who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. You see that in verse 39? Martha received Jesus in the home. Mary spent time with Jesus in the home. Mary is there at his feet listening to every single word, soaking it up, just wanting to be in the presence of Jesus. We'd rather soak up the words off the screen and what other people are posting than what Jesus has already given us, his revealed word and his revealed person. Not Mary. Verse 40. Martha, she was distracted. Anybody here distracted this morning? Martha can't be the only one. We all get distracted, don't we? Life has all kinds of distractions. It's so easy to find ourselves, instead of listening to the word of God, listening to everything else in our world, getting distracted. And this is Martha. She loved God. She invited him over to the house. She was distracted. What was she distracted with? Good things. She was distracted with all the preparations. There's some, there some ladies in the room that get this during the holidays. Everything has to be perfect. Everything in the house has to be spotless. Every, every menu has to be perfectly planned. The whole details of the Christmas season. Because everybody needs to have a Merry Christmas. And the only one in the room not having a Merry Christmas is the one that was worried about everybody else having a Merry Christmas. And that's Martha. 
She was distracted. Am I getting it all done right? Is it perfect? Am I doing everything I need to do for Jesus? There's some people who live like that in their Christianity. Jesus doesn't desire that. He doesn't desire you to be some kind of rabid, robotic servant of his. He wants you to be the child of God that he's declared you to be. Pursue Jesus as a child of God, not a servant of God, but a child of God. Lord, so she approaches Jesus. Remember, Martha's always trying to help Jesus out. Lord, do you not care? Oh, man, have you ever been there? You ever accused the Lord of not caring? Lord, apparently you don't care about me. You care about everybody else but me. Martha's there. She accuses him of being a God who's not compassionate. A God who doesn't recognize, a God who doesn't care, a God who only cares about his own agenda. What about my world, Lord? What about me? What about what I'm going through? And then she plays that sibling thing. Lord, do you not care that my sister isn't helping with the chores? Even when I wasn't a Christian, I was telling God about how evil my brother was. <laughs> then tell her, now look at, look at the boldness of Martha. Telling Jesus what to do. And we can throw stones at Martha if we want. We can make fun of her, but we fall, we fall there, don't we? Telling God what to do and how he needs to do it and when he needs to do it. If you'd just been here earlier, my brother would have been safe. If you just fixed my sister, my life would be better. If you just step in, if you just cared. Distracted. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, and you hear your name twice, it ain't good. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Man, could that be real for somebody today? You find yourself in Martha's place, worried, bothered, overwhelmed, discouraged. Listen to Jesus' answer. But Martha, there is one thing that is necessary. Don't miss that. Don't you want to hear what Jesus has to say, that one thing? Wouldn't you like to discover that right now in your hurt, in your pain, in your struggle? Jesus says, no, you don't need me to fix your sister. That'd, that'd bring you some temporary peace. That'd give you some help today. But there's one thing you need each and every day, Martha, one thing that is necessary. Mary has chosen it. Oh, man, that had to sting. The sister you're bitter at, Jesus is commending the one you think is being lazy, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus says, she's the role model. I'm sure Martha didn't want to hear it, but she needed to. You may not want to hear it this morning, but we need to. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What has she chosen? What was that one thing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus I didn't give you a cop out to be lazy not help around the house not be a good sibling or a good hostess but if you're doing all this stuff for God but not spending time at the feet of Jesus you're missing out on it if you think that you're going to get brownie points with God because you are serving him but you're not spending time at his feet you don't care about that relationship part of it you're missing out on the Prince of Peace. 
Martha was distracted and bothered. Mary's devoted, humbled, and committed. Martha's in the kitchen working. Mary's at the feet of Jesus worshiping. You see the difference? Remember when I first got saved, I thought, man, I got to get busy. I got to catch up. I've been doing so many bad things. I need to start doing a lot of good stuff for God and build my resume. It isn't in the good that we do. It's in the choice we make to find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Only one thing is necessary. Look at verse 42. Only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. The enemy can't touch it, the enemy can't rob it, and he cannot destroy it. It's one thing, and that's intimacy with the God who saved you. Too many people who know Jesus for forgiveness, but don't spend time getting to know Jesus at his feet. So my challenge for you in a new year is to perhaps take on a new direction. That you won't be able to take a single day and get this image out of your mind. The feet of Jesus. I need to start my day. I need to spend time every day at the feet of Jesus. That one and most important thing. But you see, to get to the feet of Jesus, to get to the feet of Jesus, you have to humble yourself. You have to acknowledge he is great and you are not. You have to acknowledge humbly before the Lord, Lord, I need you. And Lord, you are my Messiah and you are my Lord. You're my God. You're my living water. You're my daily bread. You're all that I need. And Lord, I claim in your promise that if I abide in you, you will abide in me. Lord, today, today I begin at your feet. Worshiping you, acknowledging my need for you. Would you do that with me this morning with every head bowed? And I would encourage you to do what we see modeled in Scripture. And symbolically, there's no power in this position, but if your knees allow it, if a doctor hasn't told you that you need to take it easy on your joint, I'd encourage you to humbly kneel at your chair right where you are. If you can. If you can't, nobody's going to think you're unspiritual. Nobody's going to think you love Jesus less. There's something powerful about just kneeling before the Lord. It is symbolic. It is, it is an outward expression of an inner experience that, Lord, I humble myself before you. And maybe right now you need to cry out and be real like Mary was. Lord, I love you. I worship you. But I have this struggle Surrender it to him right now. Whatever it is, speak it out to Jesus. You don't have to do it out loud, just from your heart to God's. And get real with Jesus this morning. Others, maybe things are well. It's been a great holiday. But it's been dry in your heart, and you need to just worship him. You need to allow him to be your living water today, to fill you up. To quench your thirst to overflow in the joy of your salvation. And in your own way, take these next few moments and just say, Lord, I love you. Be my Prince of Peace. Be my forgiver, my Savior. However you need to respond, 
I pray that those who are worshiping online, you're doing the very same thing, kneeling there in your home or wherever you might be. Humbling yourself before the Lord. Way better than Hawaii or Colorado, the Bahamas, the feet of Jesus. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.